The Voice by LGBTQ plus youth and music only on synth. This is Loud and Queer. Welcome to Loud and Queer. My name is Elizabeth, my pronouns are she, her, I'm bisexual, and I'm coming to you from Boonarong land, that which was never ceded. And my name's Laura, my pronouns are they, them, I'm queer, and I'm coming to you from Wurundjeri land, and would like to acknowledge that sovereignty was never ceded. This is Loud and Queer on the, what, 7th of, of March, and yeah, today we're going to be going through our usual news bulletin so we're going to be hearing an interview with the lead singer of second idol a sydney-based punk rock band then chatting about some queer characters in the media that we love seeing the representation is amazing and we want to see more of it and then we'll finish with froth or not if you want to check us out after the show you can check out our twitter and instagram at sinloud that's at syn loud as well as you can check out uh, check out the podcast after the show on Omi, iTunes, Stitcher, or on Spotify. You can tune in to Loud and Queer every Sunday at 3pm on 90.7 FM or sin.org.au. Just want to give you a content warning. These stories are a little heavy again this week, so content warning for transphobia, homophobia, and some bioessentialist nonsense. The Victorian Pride Lobby told a state parliament inquiry over one of three LGBTQ plus Victorians have experienced public harassment have experienced public harassment in the past year. The inquiry has recommended stronger laws against vilification and harassment and hate speech and symbols. It also recommends that it also recommends that anti-vilification laws cover gender, sexuality, gender identity, disability, and HIV status. Committee Chair Natalie Surleyman said, said the inquiry found many Muslim, Jewish, LGBTQ+, disabled and Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander Victorians face the most harassment. A paediatrician from Royal Children's Hospital Melbourne slammed the Australian newspaper for publishing disinformation surrounding transgender healthcare in Australia. The broadsheet introduced a gender section from 2019 which regularly posts harmful opinion pieces about trans people which is overwhelmingly negative and fear-mongering, according to them.com. Professor Michelle Telfer said the articles, which mentioned her 80 times and her clinic 282 times, contained false, inaccurate, unfair and unbalanced information Uh, on transgender individuals in a submission to a federal Senate inquiry into media diversity. The United States media, the United States Minnesota parliament introduced a bill targeting transgender athletes and girls. The bill defines sex as biological and unchangeable and forces athletes to compete as their gender assigned at birth. It also refuses the use of communal spaces and restrooms, which affirm the gender of trans school children and would force them to use spaces designated for their assigned gender. More than 60 celebrities have signed an open letter damning the February 24 raids on a Ghanaian LGBTQ plus rights organisation, which opened in January. Homosexual sex is illegal in Ghana, while the police raids and threats against LGBT plus people and, and activists are legal. Idris Elba and Naomi Campbell were among some of the signatories of the letter. 
that's a pretty heavy news bulletin. So if any of that caused you distress or concern, please contact Lifeline at 131114, QLife at 1-800-184-527, Kids Helpline at 1-800-55-1800. You just listened to our news for the show? Yeah, we're going to jump into our chat for today uh we're going to be talking about queer characters in the media that we look up to we've had a couple of um discussions in the past where we spent a lot of time lamenting the fact that most queer characters are not written very well or they're killed off or they're villains there but not really there yeah they're kind of two-dimensional so we thought we'd you know uh, change it up, <laughs> get a little more, get a little more excited about queer representation. Um, so I want to start kind of with what did you and I have to grow up with? You know, what was the representation? Because I guess the generation, yeah, Gen Y like probably had nothing, and then Boomers like I'm pretty sure it was illegal to have a text with queers in it in quite a lot of countries. So we started getting some things, but we crawled so that Gen Z could run, I feel. Oh, definitely. (laughs) So what did you have to deal with, really, when you were watching queer characters on TV? Um, I think probably the two, like, one of the biggest exposures I had to it, which honestly I wouldn't consider a great thing, would have been Glee. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I didn't watch it. I didn't watch it a whole lot because I just wasn't interested in high school drama. But mm. at the same time, like that was probably like something like that was something my family would often watch a lot. And God, it was it. It's a toxic show. <laughs> that's just that's mm. that's probably one way of putting it. Yeah, and I recognize that shows need controversy to like work out throughout the plot of the show but wow everyone in Glee is toxic like Mm. wow exactly (laughs) and the queer representation is good and bad like for the most part I think the relationships are sweet but the things that teens do I guess especially in that show Mm. when they're feeling vengeful or they're feeling rejected um not so great like I remember really loving the Santana and Britney couple but I think for quite a long time Santana was saying oh it doesn't count you know it's not a hetero relationship like you know they were making out and stuff and Mm. Santana's like oh you know it doesn't really count and that kind of thing and then eventually Britney's like hey I kind of love you and then Santana's like (laughs) oh and then they sing Landside together which is beautiful oh yeah um and so it's it's kind of like I found that to be okay because they were representing like the genuine shame that queer people might feel when they're first realizing their sexualities oh definitely like Santana's scene when she's coming out to her grandmother I believe it is like Mm. is so sad but like it's Mm. such a it's such a real moment like it yeah. Like you, it's like that's a genuine fear of what people have to go through and have gone through. So, mm. like it had it had its moments where it did like really capture like those experiences, but also at the same time, it was just so mean spirited. It's just like, yeah, there's just so many things that just like work really hard to negate that the 
bits of good that it did do. Yeah, definitely. Um, another one I had was like during the afternoon um, daytime TV kind of thing where they'd show like old American, like slightly older American sitcoms mm. and you get like Will and Grace. Oh, yes. Or, um, <laughs> or Golden Girls even, which I loved Golden Girls, but mm. the gay character Stanley who left his wife, one of the main characters, uh, because he was he realized he was gay and he came out when he was 60 or 70 or something that's one where he's kind of shamed for not having told her like for wasting her time or you know so you sort of get that kind of like oh there's finally representation and this is why someone wouldn't have come out because they just couldn't but you know then they kind of get blame heaped on them for like conforming to heterosexual standards even though they don't want to yeah that's I that can always be such a mixed bag like I find that Mm. like so many of those situations like that it's that is such a real situation that people do have to go through but like it it depends entirely on how like both parties I think handle it like you gotta yeah like I think like this might sound like rude and everything but saying just like if you like when you do realize that point like you realize like oh like I'm going to come out at this point you have to be ready to see what is this going to impact like yeah Yeah. like everyone should be open and accepting of that like that should be but again like if you are in a committed relationship or you have a family like that can have big impacts yeah and it's like the further you get into that the harder it is to say this isn't for me yeah the the digger the hole you dig yeah I guess the like modern representation of that is Grace and Frankie which I think has great representation of gay older gay men who come out later in life I mean obviously they cheated on their wives for like 20 or 30 years Mm. but uh once everyone's kind of come to accept it and they can be friends again and they can still parent their children together I think that's like quite lovely like it's the best possible outcome you could get and then that would be like such an Frankie's, ideal outcome. Yeah, and Grace and Frankie's friendship is a lovely, like, oh, yes. you know, they're straight, but they're, like, very sweet to each other. I agree. I love I love that friendship. Same. <laughs> <laughs> Another main one for me is probably the L word. I just, oh, yeah. I, you know, kind of when I was really uh, getting involved with queer community I, I was watching or just before I had that opportunity actually because I really wanted to get involved but I lived in a different city where the community is a lot mm. smaller and not much is going on other than like nightlife. The L word was my way to like be a part of community and I didn't know as non-binary so I was really hardcore relating like trying to relate to lesbians and I like couldn't but I was pushing like I was trying to figure it all out but um it's it's all terrible really because the one bisexual like can you know the one that's allowed to be bisexual is like like turned into a manic pixie dream girl times a thousand and dies at the end and then you get a trans character who's just treated terribly by everyone but I guess that's like a quality representation of how like some cis queer people treat 
trans people or bi people right because they're not like yeah as acceptable as cis gay you know queers oh basically like yeah it can definitely feel like if you're not cis and gay then like you're it's you're not even kind of a <gasps> part of that yeah like it's just, sometimes it, it sucks how the community that is meant to be encouraging so- inclusivity can also be just so exclusionary mm, definitely there's too much, yeah, but, like, I don't know, gatekeeping, I suppose, I think, mm, that needs to I, be I will say, I will say, like, just I've never really watched the show, so, like, listening to you just describe each character, I'm just sitting here thinking, oh, God, how does it get worse? <laughs> There's, like, there, there are funny moments, like, this uh, radio commentator, Alice, She's she keeps trying to tell people she's bi and they won't believe her, which, bi erasure, a real thing. Oh, um, very much a real thing. But she's like a queer radio personality and she creates this thing called the chart and she like maps all the lesbians in LA and how they're all connected via like hookups <laughs> and relationships and sex and kissing and and she's able to literally connect every lesbian she knows to like <laughs> other lesbians on the chart and they create like planets which is like lesbians that have like huge connections or like you know some are in each other's orbits some are way over there it's like very funny um, yeah, that's funny. <laughs> so when they get like frivolous and silly, the L word is like hilarious. Um, and they do have mm. cool uh, representation of a deaf person. I'm not deaf, so I don't know if it was a hundred percent fine. You know what they did with that character, but I thought she had like so much autonomy. She was this really cool artist. Like she wasn't forced to. Um, speak all the time like her partner in the show learned sign language which is you know kind of basic decency right but um, yeah should should be yeah. the standard yeah so it, and it you know kind of does help introduce you to the community but I think for for anyone who might have watched it and taken up some of those bad values from some of the characters that's not mm. not a good way to be introduced to the community I think Sadly, but fortunately, I think as we can as we can get into now, just like representation in other forms as well has also just like it's gotten a lot better recently. Mm. Thankfully, like we've we've got there. There are obviously, as we talked before, we've still got a long way to go on a lot of things. Mm. But like there are there are characters in shows now that you can look up to and be really and that there are queer characters in shows you can really look up to now that are really inspirational that Mm. are just like they're actual fully fleshed out real characters they're not defined by their gender or sexuality they're just they're just a character who happens to be queer yeah definitely um do you have any favorites that come to mind um for tv shows um i think brooklyn 99 was always a really great one um just Starting off a thing, a cab, but like when the show <laughs> did come out, um, it was very, they addressed a lot of things that were very important and it talked about like sexuality in that kind of way. It hasn't really gotten very far discussing gender, I will say, mm. but it like two of the most, the two, two really prominent characters in the show, one of them is gay and the other is bisexual, which is really like, it was really big. It was really big when it came out. Like, mm, cool. um, I don't know if you've seen Brooklyn Nine Nine, have you? 
No, I haven't seen it. Um, yeah. Yeah. I'm I like, no, I had no clue any of the characters were queer. Yeah. Well, like the first, in the first episode, so like the pilot episode, it's all about like standard policing. Like they have a new like captain coming to the precinct and like, you know, the main character who's a huge goofball is just like, I don't really want to be dealing with like a really uptight, strict captain while the other captain mm-hmm. is very strict and uptight like you know people joke he's like a robot and everything like he's just like he's very he's like has he's very determined to get things done and you like later like you just kind of have them get along throughout the like you learning to get along through the episode and then at the very end the goofball turns to him it's like hey how come you've you seem really good at your job how come this is your first time being a captain and the man just turns to him and goes it's because i'm gay like i am a i'm a black gay man like Mm. i am like I have been dealing with this kind of thing my whole life. I have been like, I've been in the force for a very long time. And this is my chance to like, this is my first chance actually having a, this is the first time I have a chance to actually make, like have my own squad and I can actually make a difference. So mm. like that was, that was really big at the time when it came out. Cause it was just like, Oh, okay. Mm. That's so cool. It was, like, I had no idea. People are just like Brooklyn Nine-Nine's hilarious. And I'm like, all right, I'll take your word for it. They never mentioned yeah. queer characters, so it sounds like it's quite a seamless, um, like, inclusion they've got going on. Yeah, exactly. Same with the um, other character. They have another character in it who, um, whose name's Rosa, and she's, like, she's all, she's played as, like, you know, the very, like, the tough girl. Like, she's very, mm. she can be very violent and everything. Like, she's, like, the badass of the group, basically. Mm. Um, and then, like, later on in the next few seasons, you find out, oh no like she's like texting someone it's like oh you're texting my girlfriend I'm Mm. I'm bisexual and like they go through this whole like there's this whole arc of it through it where which was very like it was a very impactful and like it was sad at the time when it was also very like it was really lovely to see was that she was trying to reconnect back with her parents and at that point she was realizing like I don't want them to know that I'm bisexual yet but eventually it does come out and she like comes out to them, explain the situation and Mm. they're very distant from her afterwards. Like they don't really want to talk to her. They, they, they go through that whole, like, Oh no, it's just a phase Mm. sort of thing. And it hurts her a lot. Like she, but she has her friends that are able to be their supporter and be like, look, every time someone comes out, they're taking a step forward for everyone. It's important that like you have people, you have, you have a family that may not be a biological one, but you're, like your friends that are here to support you and mm. eventually like her parents do start to come around to her they sort of realize hey this isn't defining of you and even then like in other episodes it talks about how like yeah she has relationship problems too like there are episodes where she's having problems with her girlfriend and she's got to talk them out and it's like Cute. this is just how this is how how queer people are it's like we're not different in any other way it's like mm. we have just normal relationships like everyone else legit um yeah i i i really like when the like it doesn't just end at coming out right like their storyline um Mm. the like queer subplot like doesn't just end at them being like mom dad i'm gay yeah that is not the be all end all it's like there's more like it's we're like everyone else at that yeah, regard legit but i would love to see some bi men 
in TV? I'd love to see that. Oh, definitely. We need more bi man rep. One of my favorites recently has been Sex Education. Oh, yes. Which had to be good at queer rep, right? Or it was just everyone was going to like cancel it. Lose it. You know, because that's the whole point of it is like, this is all the stuff we don't get taught in high school. And you and I kind of had a brief chat about this last week where we yeah um talked about how there's not really any sex ed for queer people in high school i love eric's character his vibes so cool the way he dresses like like his style the way he and you know it's like that um that shame thing again with the people he dates is like he's gotten over that already he you know and that's kind of the thing queer people find when they start dating i think is like difference in like where you're at and you're coming out or like how much shame you still feel that can really affect Mm. tension in queer relationships and I think they explore that really well with Eric's character because one of the guys he's seeing yeah one of the guys he's seeing is like really ashamed doesn't want to talk about it doesn't want to be openly queer um and they have to work out whether they're going to keep dating um and what they're okay with. And I, I love that. And then I love um, Ola's like exploration of whether she's gay or ba- uh, pan or bi. You know, she learns all oh, the labels. Yeah. And so you kind of get that like sense of exploration. Yeah, like that's something like that. that is often ignored a lot in media. Well, mm. there's, this whole, there's always that kind of expectation of once you come out, that's who you are. You can't mm. change from that. But it's like, no, you experiment, you like you learn, you grow, like you aren't stuck with one label your whole life. You can, you, you should experiment, you should grow. Like mm. it's something that, sh- that should be that whole way. Like there's a whole thing, like I remember reading somewhere talking about how like the, you know, how it's always a default expectation that someone is heterosexual. Like mm. the default should be like buy or pan, like let them grow, let them explore, like, or even don't even have a default at all. Just like, don't give them that label. Just let them figure it out themselves. Exactly. Mm. Yeah. Like, and it shows like this, that kind of paved the way for people to just, you know, if they're not getting that sex education in schools, then they're seeing this and they're seeing the good representation. So when they see a casually gay character, like in Brooklyn Nine-Nine, maybe they don't really think twice about it anymore because they understand what, you know, if that character said, oh, I'm a pansexual man, like they'd know what that meant. Yeah. Um, and then they can go on to have, you know, more enriching, varied plot lines. Yeah. Like what about with like um, other medias as well? Like are there any other shows or even books, series that you really think that have really good representation? Um. I might just quickly shout out Bojack Horseman because they have an ace character on there, Todd, who I love. I love Todd so much. I adore Todd. And I haven't seen any uh, ace representation. Maybe it's out there and I just haven't uh, found it yet. But in mainstream media, I haven't seen any ace representation, let alone bad ace representation yeah, like, we need more ace representation we do. God, <laughs> god it sucks there isn't enough of it yeah. like actually that's one that was one of the other series i want to talk about because mm. i 
one series I really grew up loving and I still love to this day is mm. like the Percy Jackson series. So mm. that's so that currently now these days that encompasses so much more now because mm. there's so many series in that world. But like I would say like the first of that series, just like Percy Jackson, the Olympians, that wasn't very it was just kind of your default fantasy series. Like I love it, but there wasn't really much there wasn't really anything in regard of relationships relationships except like the main one between Percy and Annabeth. Mm-hmm. but like in the next series as they went on they explored more relationships like there was this it was funny for like the first few of the next series heroes of olympus like there was like seven main characters and then like you had like another character in that um named nico d'angelo who was an italian boy he was very he was a he was the son of hades a very like reclusive boy because he been through a lot in his life and he mm. very had very complicated relationships with most of the characters and eventually you learn because he had like a very weird relationship he had with Percy and it was you always kind of wondered like he just he looked up to him as like a kid like and they've just been having this like odd tension between them for a long time and eventually you find out in like the fourth book of that second series of that second series that Nico actually had a huge crush on Percy for like Aww. the entire time and he didn't know how to handle those feelings like he like he was he fell back on being angry trying to ignore them like he just didn't know how to handle it because also he was much younger than Percy so like it wasn't a relationship that could ever work mm. but he just didn't know how to handle that mm. but then like by the end of the series he ends up meeting another character at the camp who had always been kind of present but you never really knew much about him and you find out oh no he's gay too and then by the third series they're in a loving committed relationship and it's like yes yes, this is what we want yes (laughs) I love that and the other good thing is that I haven't fully finished the most recent series regarding it but it's one that I learned that was like so defining because it it had a huge bit of controversy behind it because you had the people that were like oh that can't be that's not right but then which full disclosure I think the discourse is bullshit Mm. um but the you find out is that another character in the show who originally had a seemed to really like this other character but they Mm. were in a relationship with someone else and you this kind of whole thing along but then you find out this one character Raina is in fact asexual yes that's so good it didn't negate the good that meant because obviously it's like, again, there's not really many asexual characters in media. So it was like, this is good. Yeah. So it's good to see like, Hey, just like treat it as a normal relationship. It's not dramatic. It's not overly sexualized. It's just people loving each other. This week, Kate Olivia, the lead of Sydney-based punk rock band Second Idol, gave us a rundown on the band's new single, 
what it means to be a queer band in a male-dominated music industry and the filming of their first music video. Give it a listen. Um, My name's Kate Olivia and I'm from Second Idol. Um, My pronouns are she and her. I have a black cat called Louie. So who is Second Idol? Second Idol is myself and I'm on vocals and guitar. Um, We've got Maxine who's on lead guitar and Thea on bass. Great. And if you were going to kind of sum up the band for someone who's never heard of you before, what do you think you'd tell them as your elevator pitch? Oh, we play really visceral um, kind of alt-rock, I suppose, if you want to group it in together. And we draw heavily on like post-punk and shoegaze influences. We're very unapologetic with our sound. Yeah. Yeah, very cool. Um, and can you tell me a little bit about what it was like to release your debut, debut single, White Noise? Uh, it was pretty exciting. Um, we've been sitting on this song for a little while and... Um, when it all came together in the studio, I think we all couldn't wait to when we could put it out. So it's been a lot of anticipation from our end. Um, so, yeah, kind of quite a bit of excitement to finally get it out. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah. That's amazing yeah. to hear. Um, did you kind of have other songs you were sort of tossing up or was it just that you were waiting for the right time? I think we are just waiting for the right time. I think um, with COVID, as with Lots of musicians derailed a lot of release plans and um, plans in general, like with touring. So um, we did, we have ended up kind of, we've got other recordings that we've been sitting on for a while and just kind of biding our time, pulling everything together to wait to, you know, release everything when the time was right. Yeah. Nice. Um, And before we jumped on here, I was just uh, watching the White Noise music video. Um, firstly, really cool. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> what, what was it like to kind of, I always wonder what it's like to turn such a like visceral audio medium into something so visual, especially because you kind of had a bit of choreography. Yeah. Um, that, you know, seemed very metaphorical to me at least. Yeah. Yeah. Um, a lot of the concept really came down to our music video producer, Olivia Costa, I mean, director, sorry, Olivia Costa. And um, we kind of, the whole idea from it, well, I've worked with her in the past um, with um, my previous band, Bruce Pristine, and um, she kind of knew the vibe of the kind of the music and um, our feminist and queer values. And um, her idea was, after hearing the song, was to have something quite, um, yeah, really visceral um, because and kind of something of almost like a circular kind of movement feeling um, because she felt like she got that from the sound from listening to it. Um, Shooting it was, it was um, pretty, pretty tough. (laughs) We shot it in 40 degree weather. Um, Which isn't fun if you, if you've watched the video, we're wearing turtlenecks in it. So yeah, yeah, it was a nightmare. (laughs) Yeah, it was, it was a fun day when we saw the forecast and, we rocked up at 7am and it was already like 30 degrees. We're like, oh no, this is mm. what it, what we done. Um, but yeah. They were um, blasting you with fans or something. To- yeah, there were fans. <laughs> and um, the day before I was like, okay, I think we're going to have to wheel in some portable aircon units because, 
yeah, so in between takes, we'll just like, when it was cut, we'll just running to like put our faces in front of aircon units because, yeah, it was just nuts. Mm, yeah. For sure. Yeah. Um, in the writing process for the song, you know, were there any kind of interesting things that came up for you? Like you said, you know, there's a mm. lot of feminist and queer values in that. Mm. Um, and it's always you know, always putting this question is kind of frustrating, I guess, for queer presenters, because it's like, how, you know, I kind of want to be like, how is your song political? But then it's like, knowing that the these lives and these values shouldn't, you know, need to be political. But I guess, mm. what does that mean to you, I suppose? Yeah, yeah. I think um, we talk about this kind of stuff a lot as a band, because we're all queer. And like, our songs aren't like, um, not overtly like talking about queer issues but if you know us and our values you can see that there's that undertone to what what we're projecting um with why noise in particular I was kind of what sparked things off for me is just a lot of how there's a lot of commentary on social media surrounding women's bodies um and body autonomy and it kind of spawned from a lot of white cis men talking about how about like women's reproductive rights and access to abortion and things like that and and then about how everyone a lot of people seem to have opinions on um uh gender representation and people who don't fall into um really um like cis representations um who like you know binary gender representations and um the kind of all this um yeah noise that surrounds people's identities and all this unsolicited kind of opinions and things that surround people's lives and when your lives are so like politicized already and how it can be really challenging to function as a person as of a minority group when you're surrounded by all this chatter and um and how you can just keep going through it and just the anger of surrounding people having unsolicited opinions about how you should live your life really yeah yeah Yeah. worth being angry about (laughs) yeah definitely um yeah and I guess you can feel that release in the song as well that like Mm. "Ah, I just have to get out this you know this feeling yeah Yeah. um and last week I actually interviewed um Brisbane-based artist Hope D who um she was originally a solo artist and Mm. she's queer and she put together a band and was telling me about how it was kind of important to have queer and gender diverse uh, voices because she would go to festivals and look around and be the only woman on the lineup. Um, I was wondering, you know, what it was like for you um, and your bandmates to put together Second Idol. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, I can definitely relate to Hope D. I've definitely been like in lineups where I'm the only like queer woman or woman like slightly brown person on a lineup and um yeah it's sometimes it's strikingly obvious <laughs> um the way the band came together um before we became second idol we went under the name bruce pristine which is named after a placebo song because i'm a big placebo nerd <laughs> um but we i'll go into the story um and uh thea who was on bass um we used to play together and we've played together for nearly about two years um 
And midway through last year, I came across Maxine's solo work. She's a singer-songwriter in her own right. And um, she had this um, really refreshing kind of like post-punk angle of playing guitar and um, we became Instagram friends and um, I was just, I really liked her music and I just thought, oh, I think I need to play music with this person. So I managed to rope her in to get her on lead guitar. Um, But, yeah, I think it's really, it's really nice playing in a band with um, other queer people and, um, people who aren't just cis men, <laughs> not to rap on cis men, like I've got cis men friends and I love them to pieces, but it brings a different dynamic and we have different experiences and diverse experiences, which sometimes are really quite similar um, and that we really bond over some of those experiences and I think it's really, um, really empowering and it's um, nice to get up on stage with like a gang of people who where you have a shared value and um, just the thought of being more visible um, within your minority um, and that, you know, like after gigs we'll get people coming up to us who are um, queer and gender diverse being like that was awesome and stuff and that they, you know, that how important that is to see and, you know, that's really, um, really heartening <laughs> and um, makes us feel empowered as well. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Um. Are there any ways that, you know, this is a big question, but are there any ways you'd like to see the music industry change for people who aren't, you know, cis men? <laughs> um, yeah, I feel like it's a really tricky question because, um, like, we just don't want to be there to fill the quota, like, you know, mm-hmm. what everyone goes on about. Um, and we are, like, musicians in our own right like when we play guitar I don't play it in like a queer way like I play it my way which and I just happen to be queer you know Mm. um I think there definitely needs to be more just awareness around that diverse people exist within the music scenes and um not to just presume that everyone's going to be comfortable with certain language and um yeah, just how people hold themselves and just there needs to be a bit more openness, I think. Yeah, yeah. I think, yeah, definitely um, like language is so powerful and um, it can really, it can really have the power to really empower or to hurt people. So on a lighter note, um, what else do you have in store for your fans in 2021? Um, We've got... um, we're currently doing a vinyl crowdfunding project to release our debut EP on 10-inch vinyls, which is something we're pretty excited about. Um, we're cool. independent and DIY, so hence the, doing the crowdfunding. So it's been something that's – we're a bunch of vinyl nerds, so it's been a pipe dream for a while for us to get a vinyl pressed. Um, Congrats. Yeah, so <laughs> we're nearly there with it. Um so that should be coming out um, around May. Um, yeah, and we're hoping to do some, more, like we've only been gigging in Sydney um, because of COVID, but we've been quite busy uh, this month with the single launching. We've had quite mm. a few shows, but we're hoping to, you know, go to other cities and eventually make it interstate because that's something we'd really like to do. And, um, you know, we love playing live. So, yeah, 
it's what we thrive on. Nice. Yeah. Can't wait to see it. Yeah. Um, is there a song from another LGBT artist or band you'd like to shout out before we wrap up? I think I have to shout out to Sports Bra because um, they're friends of ours um, and they're just a really important band within within the scene and um, yeah definitely. Do you have a favourite song in mind? Um, If we could I think Survival yeah it's a great song yeah. Awesome thank you. Uh, Where can fans new fans find your music or your online presence? Yep. Um, so we're on the usual Facebook and in, in Instagram. You can stream White Noise and Spotify and we're also on Bandcamp. That was Kate Olivia from Second Idol speaking to us on Loud and Queer. Welcome back to Loud and Queer. My name's Laura. I'm here with my co-host Elizabeth, White Noise by Second Idol. Uh, We just heard from the band's lead singer about the release of White Noise and what that's meant for their upcoming careers. And if you want to listen to that again, you can hear us on the podcast or jump on the SIN website, sin.org.au. And that's streaming anywhere you get your podcasts. Um, We're going to jump into our Froth or Not just to wrap up the the afternoon. I was going to ask you, Elizabeth, after last week, you had a bit of a hectic time. How are things going this week? Um, They're going better, definitely. Um, Mm -hmm. Haven't heard too much from the internship, sadly, which that's been a bit of a knot, just... Sadly, that's just kind of how the industry works. It's kind of what yeah. you got to expect. It's unpredictable. Underpre- it's an unpre- it's an unpredictable industry. <laughs> just got to roll with it, really. Basically, yeah. yeah. But I've been still like working at my other job, getting up as much money as I can, and I'm feeling very mm. good because I finally saved up enough money for myself to feel pr- happy enough just to, you know, splurge a little bit, and I finally bought myself a new PC. Yes, that's so exciting. Like what did when you get? I ordered it on Wednesday, it was kind of like, "Hey, it'll be here like just before or on the tenth of March." So I was thinking, like, "All right, you know, sometime next week." And then it came today. Yes. Um, let me just check what it's called. Uh, it's a Trident series MPG. So it's a ga- technically it's a gaming PC. I've just got it sitting in my bed right now. Ooh, not even I set up yet. I need to make room on my desk to set it up, but <laughs> like it was, it's good. Like it's got so much storage on it. And as someone that does a lot, like tries to do a lot of editing for film and stuff and mm-hmm. also gaming. So that's like, you need a lot of storage for that. So that's yeah. two terabytes of storage on it. So Whoa. I'm like, yeah, it was expensive, but it's worth it. Despite yeah. as so long as I ignore my wallet crying. <laughs> <laughs> you can ignore it this once for a fancy computer like that. Yes. <laughs> Because, I mean, that's going to be – I'm going to be using that for a while. I know that. <laughs> Sweet. <laughs> what, what about you? What have been any things going on this week? Like you mentioned, it's been a bit of a hectic week, but um, yeah. any good froths for this week? <sighs> a few. So I 
My favorite one was the drive-in cinema. I went with my partner and we watched yes. um, Baz Luhrmann's Romeo and Juliet. It was Ooh, like I 20 love drive-in cinemas. Yeah, it's so much fun. And I haven't been to one in three years or so. Um, and I, yeah, we watched um, Romeo and Juliet because it's the 25th Ooh. anniversary screening. So Ooh, I was pretty excited yeah. for that. Yeah, and I haven't seen that in probably eight or so years. So I think like it was cool to kind of revisit something that I thought I remembered really well and that actually came across quite differently this time around. I get that. That happens a lot, doesn't it? The like that you have this whole image in your head, like there are scenes I can remember from shows, like I think I remember so vividly, and then I watch them again, I'm mm. kind of like, that's not that's not what I remember. Yeah. And, like, I always – I had this thing in high school where um, my English teachers would, like, be teaching us a Shakespearean text and you'd be mm-hmm. reading it and you'd be like, oh, yeah, I kind of get what – you know, I get the gist of this. Um, and then my English teacher would stop and be like, so this is actually some homoerotic subtext going on. We think Shakespeare might have been gay or it's pretty pretty clear he was gay um, <laughs> or bi. And I would lose it because – you'd read it back over and there's like a million phallic references, like just endless, yeah, dick jokes. Like it is quite immature and it's quite silly. And so when we were watching it and the like homoeroticism between Romeo and Mercutio, I was like, how did I forget about this? (laughs) Mercutio is so in love with Romeo and it's mostly conveyed by like the campy dress that Mercutio wears and the way he acts and the, um, you know, he does the drag performance at the Capulet party. Yeah. And it's just like such an energy. And then in the scene where Mercutio gets stabbed and the way he looks Oof. at Romeo and the way Romeo holds him as he bleeds, you're like, oh my gosh. <laughs> There's something going on here. Yeah, it's so much. But yeah, <laughs> it's so good. And I always vibed, uh, you know, like the floral um bowling shirt Leo DiCaprio wears I always like and the way his hair is all like flicked back I always (laughs) vibe that as my gender I was like that's my gender I love that that. outfit I I remember um I saw that movie in like god like the first time I watched it was like for school like because we were you know studying Romeo and Juliet and Mm. like obviously private Catholic school like that we weren't Mm. talking about the homoerotic subtext sadly like I think Damn I need it. to reread I think I need to reread the books to go over it but I like you I mm. noticed like how they were so close but like my most vivid memory from when I watched that movie was when as he was going to um going to Juliet's body you know like crying over her body right as he's taking the potion mm. the poison and like we're all screaming at the, at, yeah. the at the tv like no stop you can <laughs> see her she's twitching she's waking up and I vividly remember one of the girls from like the back of the room screaming out, he's so hot. (laughs) He is Elizabeth's classmate from years ago. Yeah. I I loved it. It was so funny. Like, (laughs) Oh, I hope hope so. It gives me vibes. If you know that one meme that, that got made from like Parks and Rec where it's kind of like, this is, it's like, this is my boyfriend and this is his boyfriend. <laughs> Did you have any knots this week? Anything going wrong that you want to vent about? Like, 
I don't know, like, I guess if not to like getting emotionally invested in shows and like have like their dramatic turns, you're just kind of like, all right, I'm not emotionally okay right now, but that's like. <laughs> that's okay, <laughs> that's, we do that sometimes. Yeah, that's a case of like, I'm okay, but I'm not okay just for the sake of these characters. <laughs> Which show is this? Who's hurt um... you? <laughs> <laughs> it was from WandaVision. <laughs> Oh yeah, I've most been recent so episode. I need to catch up. That was your weekly dose of froth or not on loud and queer. If you want to check out the show on other platforms, you can list, you can check us out on Twitter and Instagram at sinloud. That's at s y n loud. Uh, sorry, you can check out the podcast on Omi, iTunes, Stitcher, and Spotify. You can. You're also able to check out any music from the show today on Spotify from the Loud and Queer Mixtape 2021. Today we chatted our froths and our knots, including queer uh, subtext in Shakespeare and getting a fancy new gaming and editing PC. (laughs) We love new tech. Um, Before that, we heard an interview from Second Idol, uh, a Sydney-based queer punk rock band who are really cool and they released their debut single, White Noise. You can check it out also on anywhere you stream your music. We also talked about what kind of queer characters in the media we look up to and what kind of representation we'd love to see more of for ourselves and the younger generations growing up so that they know that queer people are cool and rad and not sick or something to be scared of. And we also heard our news whip, which you can check out again, all of which you can check out again on the podcast at sin.org.au or anywhere you get your podcasts. Next week, I think we're going to be starting our reviews of the Melbourne Queer Film Festival, which I'm so excited for. Are you excited, Elizabeth? Oh, I'm hyped. I want more. I need more queer representation in my life. (laughs) Yes, I'm so keen. There's a huge mix of like international, local, um, mainstream and indie movies. So I'm really excited. I've been seeing ads everywhere for it and I'm so excited. Yeah, it's it's so good, and it runs for a couple of weeks, and we've we've got four or five uh, movies we're going to be reviewing. So stay tuned for that. Yes. Oh, it feels good. We'll see you next Sunday at three. This is Laura, and this is Elizabeth, and you're listening to Loud, Loud and Queer. And queer.